Hey guys, on this week's episode, we talk about a record-setting day on the wall, Jeopardy gives us the double bird, and on Millionaire, we watch engaged couples play for buffets. Hey everyone, welcome back to This Week in Game Shows. I am your host and two-time game show loser, J.D. Lake, and with me once again, my co-host and aspiring game show contestant, Adrian Perez. Hey, Adrian. Hello. Uh, Adrian, we had quite a week in game shows this week. Um, we learned that one of our favorite shows was renewed for a new season. We had some record-setting uh, pots in another, and we have a couple of things we can learn from for future contestants in some of our other game shows. Yeah, very, very interesting to say the least. Um, and I, uh, I think maybe they're listening to us because um, uh, they, they definitely uh, went over a few topics that we discussed and either proved us incredibly genius or um, told us basically our podcast is worth nothing because they <laughs> did the complete opposite of what we were saying. <laughs> Yes, they, they did certainly wait until we sent out our first podcast to definitely prove us wrong or prove us right. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. We're going to start off at the beginning of the week, though. I want to touch on The Wall, which comes on Monday nights on NBC. Uh, the Wall, you have cousins Jakia and Shauna playing. The record-setting pot that I mentioned earlier happened on the wall this week. Never before has a team built up a pot of over $2 million before, but Jakia and Shauna did. And that is with only getting four out of, at the time, four out of five questions correctly. They missed the sixth question and did lose a million dollars to bring their pot back down to a little over $1 million. Uh, but on the 17th episode of the second season, we finally get someone reach over $2 million. And to me, it's a little surprising, uh, Adrian, that it's taken this long. I, I understand that it's really a game of chance, but after so many episodes and so many games played, to have $2 million finally happen, it, it's taken a long time. Um, it has. I think there's a few things, a few factors, actually. Um, one might be just unfil uh, unfamiliarity with the game. You know, it's not something that was broadcast before. Maybe a lot of these uh, episodes were, were filmed, and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of strategy you can build up. You know, as we've discussed, there are certain strategies that we have deep and near our hearts so with uh, either Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or Price is Right. With The Wall, it's a newer game that was introduced uh, and, and filmed, you know, consecutively pretty quickly to people who I, I think weren't very savvy understanding of the strategies involved. Um, so yeah, kind of surprised it took a little bit this long, but then again, when I think about it, it's like, well, you know, it is a big game of chance. Yes, it is a quiz show and you do answer six questions, um, that increase or decrease your potential to, to gain or win money. But, um, yeah, I can see why it's taking a little bit longer. And again, the strategy to catch on, understand the gameplay of it has a lot to do with it. Yeah, that's a fair point too. I didn't think about their filming schedule either. Uh, obviously the first season... People who don't, most people wouldn't know the game or wouldn't figure out a strategy that quickly. And then who knows how quickly after that first initial run of episodes was filmed that they filmed the second batch. Uh, so people might not have had time to develop any kind of strategy uh, or at least the kinds that we have uh, developed in our own sitting in our living room 
and whatnot. Uh, Jakia and Shauna actually implemented uh, a big strategy that we're both fans of. Uh, pr they probably didn't do it on purpose. They probably did it from a, a place of strength, considering that one person has to decide how well the other person knows the question. And Adrian, uh, what was the strategy that you and I like to talk about? Well, in the first two rounds of questioning, um, you have the ability to double up and then triple up on your ball, so mm -hmm. giving you the more chances of landing in the higher uh, the higher slotted numbers. Um, but again, if you get the questions wrong, then those balls are red and it's a negative uh, impact on your chances. But you can always, I think to our point, you want to go high and go big first. Therefore, in the latter rounds, you know what you have to play to catch up to. Whether you have a big lead and you need to save it, so you understand maybe we don't want to risk it later on. Or you go big in the beginning two rounds, you don't have the grade of a board, so now you know in the latter rounds, hey, we've got to go big and go higher because it can't get any worse. The wall can never go negative. Um, the lowest it can go is back down to zero, so you can always build up and have positive at the end. But yeah, we've always said that round one and two with those questions, you got to double up and triple up. Whenever you can, whether you're confident in the questions or not, I think then that's just a matter of where you're placing the balls. But you've got to double right. up and triple up as much as you can on those questions. Definitely, the the first the first half of, or the first round of questioning, uh, for sure, you got to double and triple up just to give yourself the best chance to accumulate the most money. Because even if you end the first round in zero, you still get to go play the second round. Now, if you have to be a little more conservative in the second round because if you end the second round with zero there's a chance you end up with zero because you always have that guarantee but that is up to the person behind the wall who has no idea what's going on do they sign the paper and guarantee themselves the money from the opening speed round or do they rip it up and take what's on the wall which could potentially be zero so yeah i, I you definitely have to do your best to give you the best odds to give you the most money. So by doubling and tripling up in the first round, I understand why people don't. Um, but to win the most money, it's a risk worth willing to take because you get to play the second round anyway. And you could just rebuild your pot from there. And the second round has more money anyway. So uh, Jakia and Shauna did double and triple up in the first round. They got those questions right. They missed the first question. Uh, which you have no option to double or triple up. So they lost the minimal amount of money, thankfully, uh, in both rounds, actually. Or no, excuse me, uh, just in the first round. Uh, the second round, they doubled up on the second question, did not triple up on the third question, which ended up being a smart move because that was the question in the second round that they got wrong. And that was the one that landed in the million. And so if there were two other balls that also dropped, that would have just further decimated their total. Uh, in the end, they had to decide between a guarantee of 170232 or what was on the wall of 565422 And remember, uh, the person behind the wall has no idea what's going on, how many questions they got right, what the money mounts are. They're just going off their gut. Uh, ultimately, they ended up winning what was on the wall, which was 565422 And with the wall, I appreciate it because a lot of these game shows, and we touched on this in the first podcast, how they want to develop stories and show personalities and things like that. 
and sometimes you get sob stories and these are real people and I and I can appreciate that but I appreciate the wall even more because they take it to the next level where they only want people who legitimately either need help or they're so involved in the community these are good people with good stories and they make you want to root for them. I feel like more so than other game shows where while the stories may be true, it's a little more manufactured by production to make you feel a certain type of way. Whereas The Wall, it's like every contestant is this. This is what we want. So expect sob stories or feel-good stories, whatever you want. And it feels a lot more genuine to me. Not that other shows aren't, like I said. It just feels like... That's more of a product of production to make the audience feel a certain type of way. Whereas The Wall, where they're still doing that to a certain extent, by having every contestant be that, is, is sort of like we, you know, we're yeah. doubling down. Yeah, with The Wall. So initially The Wall, I think, had a slogan where it was like, uh, when they came out to it, it may not be their slogan, but they talked about we want to give good money to good people. Um, yep. And at first, for the first few rounds... Uh, or first three episodes, you had to be, um, you couldn't audition yourself. You had, someone had to basically either recognize you by your community or your group, um, and people had to submit applications on your behalf. Now there is an application process where you can be on the wall or you can audition to be on the wall, but it asks an array of questions, most so likely than your normal game shows where you're just told to send in some pictures or why do you want to be on this show? Um, it literally asks, you know, occupation, what would you do with the money? What is your inspiration? Um, do you have children? Um, what would winning this money mean to you? What is your motivation for doing the show? Have you received any special recognitions or awards from your community, work, school, church? Um, and then they do ask you about general trivia. Who's your teammate? What do they do? Their occupation. So it goes it goes in depth as to who you are and what kind of person they want on the show. Where again, it's not just the crazy fanatic and put me on and I I do funny things. Um, it really goes into their personality, into their relations with the community. So um, I'm a fan of this as well. You know, the wall. I think only one episode, two episodes, have people gone away with zero uh, dollars based on their choices and what was left on the board or whether they rejected or accepted something. Um, so it genuinely makes you feel good. You you, get, you do get involved, you know, as the show progresses. Chris Hardaway kind of goes and speaks more about their cause and more about the people and what they do and their family. Um, it's funny, you know, the first, I think, the first episode maybe or the, the second episode. I think the first episode they aired right away. Um, uh, John and Angel, yeah, they had a total offer of $165,000. They won $1.3 million. And it was just like, this is how the show's starting. Right off the bat, right. they're starting off giving away a million dollars. And their story was fantastic as well. And you just fell in love. Episode two, after you're completely involved in the show and you love it, and you're like, oh, million dollars, zero dollars. So one of those two, one of the, two of the, the 19, whatever, it was just, it was insane how they did it and, and how they came on. But it was, you know, it's heartwarming. You you want to, you want to root for the people. Exactly. And, and they... They really uh, had you run the gamut of emotions there. It was a real roller coaster when they first started, as you mentioned. I, I remember now, as you mentioned it, the the very first episode with a million dollars, and I, <laughs> one of my first thoughts was, 
Well, this is a good run, guys. We're not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Hope you guys enjoy this sixth cool. episode. The is gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> NBC is going. What did we get ourselves into here, guys? If we're giving away a million dollars here, um, but yeah, uh, having only two zero dollar winners essentially, as you said, uh, really helped the cause as well. Uh, especially when you have all these feel good stories, you want them to win, and so the more op- you really don't want to see zero dollars uh, at all, let alone being uh, that that's the decision being won by them. So. Uh, the the wall is is turning slowly turning into one of my favorites. It's like I said, we're in the middle of season two, and it, it's climbed up the hierarchy of game shows. I'm I'm disappointed I missed it. I didn't realize it was coming back right after the New Year so quickly. I, I know I think we talked about it. I think you missed the first couple of weeks also because this was the first show in 2018 that I've caught of the wall. Same. Yeah. Yeah, and but yeah, like you said, it's. I don't want to say there's some skill involved, but there's definitely strategy involved in this. So it's that ultimate understanding and quizzing and knowledge. And then there's still some type of strategy where you're not just, you know, relying on basic chance. There is a lot of chance with how the balls drop. But again, there's placement. There's how many times you double up and triple up. It's watching these people have to make these decisions while your partner is behind locked, closed doors and can't hear or see anything besides the questions that are being given to answer. So that also, uh, you know, you start playing, you know, in your own mind, how do you think, which side would you be on, how would you answer, what would you answer, would you accept it? So a lot of that goes into play. And you want, you have that empathy for the people where you want to see them do well. What would you do if in that situation? Uh, most definitely, Adrian. I know we've talked about it, and I feel like it's harder if you're behind the wall answering the questions and you're confident that you answered five, maybe all six questions right because you get – in the end, on top of the guarantee money that you win in the speed round, it, it's called free fall on the wall, uh, your initial bank, you get $20,000 added to that for every question you get. And so if you get five to six questions, people usually uh, win about seventy-five to 100000 on average in free fall. So if you're starting with 75000 you get all six questions right at 20,000 or you, and you know you got them right because technically you don't know because they don't tell the person answering the questions what they got right and wrong but if you know in your heart of hearts that you got them all right that's six questions at $20,000 a piece that's an extra 120,000 that they tag on to what you want in free fall and that's $195,000 guaranteed all you got to do is just sign this contract that they give you or you rip it up, don't sign it, and potentially go home with what you accumulated on the wall. And now seeing the stats here where there's only been two $0 winners, uh, if my uh, research is correct, uh, it makes more sense to always go with the wall just because out of... Yes and no. Adrian. So now, <laughs> on that fact, that's based on their choices, however. So, oh, so there have been other. There have been zero dollar boards. So gotcha. there have been zero dollar boards that are left there. Only twice, obviously, because that's you know you bank automatic money in the beginning, or you can't go on. So twice have those boards been chosen. So the envelope has been rejected in those cases. However, games that ended in zero dollar boards, including those two, are one, two, 
Six. Six times has that board been zero. And therefore, I'm sorry, seven if you include the, uh, there was a holiday special that aired. Um, so seven times that board has been zero. However, only two times have they chosen to take the board in that case okay. instead of the envelopes. Okay, so there have been five people taking the guarantee. Five people have taken the guaranteed with the smallest amount of those guarantees being $105,000. Uh, just kidding. Please disregard the last two and a half minutes of my strategy. <laughs> As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I am two-time game show loser J.D. Lave. So I know not what I say nor do. But please still listen to this podcast. I We would greatly appreciate but, it. But, I mean, the, the percentages are there. I mean, and that you know, we don't know how they answered their questions or what they understood. So, you know, one of the... You know, one of the one of the losing ones was basically choosing eighty thousand for zero dollars. That's tough. So you know that's right, yeah. right. Yeah, the 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 it's a double edged sword either way. Because as the point I was going to try and make was the more questions you know you got right, the higher your guarantee is, um, and you know what you started, what you ended free fall with. So you know you ended free fall with a hundred and one thousand and. In your heart of hearts, you know you got all six right. So you know the guarantee is two hundred twenty-one thousand. That is, that is a lot of money, and that is so hard to walk away from. But the flip side of that is you know you got all the questions right, and that turns the tide on the wall because now you have more green balls than red balls. So the potential for a big payday is there because you gave your teammate the best chance to earn the most money. And so it's a, it, as I mentioned, a double-edged sword between do you take the bigger guarantee because you know you have that much money versus the unknown because all those green balls, they could have all landed in a dollar for all you know. And then one red ball lands in a million and wipes you out versus if you know, I think it's almost easier if you're confident in one to two questions and you're not sure about the other four, I feel like it's almost you have to take the guarantee at that point because if you had 101,000, say you got two right, that's still 141,000 versus what's on the wall, which is potentially zero because you ended up getting more questions wrong than correct. Or at least you're unsure of more questions. Right, so looking at the stats here, most of the people who banked larger amounts um, in round one and with the questions took the the envelope offer very rarely here is the the board more than the offer when it's over like 165 so that original very first you know john and angel who won their guaranteed offer was 165,000. they took the one they took the wall which is 1.3 million however there's people there's there's some on here where it's um the sixth episode ebony and diana 210,000 was their guarantee. Yeah. So they knew they got their questions right. They understood it. Took the envelope. On the board, they only had 194,000. That's still a well-played game on yeah. the board. But when you know, you have that set amount in your head like, hey, we're probably going to win this. Um, you know, someone else won 195,000. 195,000 has been hit twice. And that 200,000 hit once. So over 195,000 hit three times when you know and guaranteed based on your round one free fall play and based on the questions you got right, that's hard to pass up. Oh. And that's hard to say, hey, look, we're not going to take it. And one of those was 220. So they lost 30,000. But they knew they had guaranteed at least, you know, 
maybe in their head between one hundred eighty to two hundred thousand dollars. So again, if you've got all those questions, right, you know, hey, we're banking this and we're good, and that's going to change my life in a large way. Great. If you know you're not so much, and you think, hey, you know what, it is what it is. Let's 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 gamble a little bit. Great, you know, but you know, the good thing is they've they've taken good people who seem like they could use the money and will do well with the money. Um, and with almost any total, you know, these people are, it's a, it's a life changer for them and the community they come from and, and their cause and whatever they're doing for, for the greater good. And ultimately, that's what it's about. And as we said, like, that's what, for me, obviously, like, as a big quiz guy, a trivia guy, like, I like the show for that aspect. But I've really, not that I wasn't a fan of this, of the other aspect, of the story aspect, but I've really come around even more on it and makes me appreciate this show even more, the fact that they do this every week. Uh, And that is a good time for me to mention that we are on Twitter, at This Week Game Shows, that's T-H-I-S-W-K Game Shows. You can blame Twitter for putting a limit on the number of characters you can have in your handle. Or you can hashtag us twigs, hashtag twigs, T-W-I-G-S, This Week in Game Shows. It's a pretty sick acronym, if I may say so. Uh, <laughs> and let us know your thoughts about The Wall and, and all these other game shows that we're going to be talking about. Like, Do you like uh, the random the random aspect of the wall do you like the stories do you like the trivia do you like it all um what are some of your strategies that you might implement if you thought about that uh let us know on twitter uh with that let's uh, let's move over to jeopardy uh we've we've had quite a week uh and if you listen to our previous episode uh adrian and i both agreed that jeopardy's kind of been struggling in our opinion and in Alex Trebek's opinion in terms of big winners, uh, clearing boards, and everything in between. But Adrian, I, I, I think that Jeopardy uh, gave us the double bird this week. They must have listened to our podcast and were like, well, you know what? Here's some episodes just to prove you wrong, right? Yeah, well, we'll start with Monday. Monday definitely bait us in. Um, you know, we came in Monday, and it was a decent show. We had, uh, again, you know, Jeopardy round. Didn't clear the board, just as we just as we mentioned, you know, the week before, how they were struggling um, from Jeopardy going to double Jeopardy. And guess what? They didn't clear the board again. They went a whole episode with not clearing both boards, which we had just explained, you know, how that impacts. Number one, viewers, ratings, um, how it impacts the price, you know, Alex has even made it prevalent to discuss how the prizes have been lower and the pots have been smaller for our champions. Well, that's money again left on the board, um, and they they proved this right on Monday. And on Monday, we're sitting back watching Jeopardy, going, "Wow, we are the ultimate geniuses of game shows, and we basically should be producing Jeopardy." <laughs> then Tuesday comes around. And then we realize why we aren't producing Jeopardy and why we have a podcast with one episode. What <laughs> Alex, uh, first after he's introduced, Alex comes out and mentions how they've had modest wins, only 15,000, you know. <laughs> and then he was waiting for this big blockbuster win just because 2018 hasn't given him what they're used to. And sure enough, uh, Gilbert Collins, who was on a four-day streak with only 51,400. Again, I say only. That's about an average of a little less than 13,000, which 
trust me, you and I and Adrian and everyone else would appreciate thir- getting $13,000 a day. Don't get us wrong, right, Adrian? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty average annual income as well. <laughs> and as Alex said, waiting for that big block blockbuster win, and Gilbert gave it to us on his fifth win. He won $32,801, uh, which brought his five-day total to 84201 And, of course, on Tuesday, they cleared both boards with ease. Um, and I think even Tuesday after one of them, Alex even has like something extra to say after it. But um, kind of just to, to, to disprove us and say, hey, look, we're going to clear both boards, and we're going to do it with ease. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday all the way through Friday, the rest of the week, uh, like I said, they gave, Jeopardy gave us a double bird. The <laughs> Monday, they lured us in by not clearing either round of Jeopardy. And Tuesday through Friday, we got every single clue read, uh, which I feel like a streak like that hasn't happened in a while. Four days in a row where we have both boards cleared. Uh, as we mentioned before in the, or in the other podcast, it, it's almost every day where we're getting at least one round. And especially frustrating when we can't get through double Jeopardy with the bigger numbers. Yeah, so you know, and then we also saw an increase in some of the pots that were won, you know, with um, a good five-day run from our, our the reigning champ at the end of the week to a new champ coming in, some bigger pots, some bigger uh, some bigger wagers at the end. Um, so we definitely appreciate that. So shout out to Jeopardy uh, producers for listening to us and uh, giving us what we like. <laughs> uh, yes, after uh, Gilbert was defeated on Wednesday after five games, uh, replaced by Lee Quinn as the champion, uh, who won on Wednesday. 22,400 and on Thursday won another 20,400 on Friday Lee lost to Rachel Lindgren uh, who won 24,800 so we had over $20,000 won from Tuesday through Friday again Tuesday through Friday the entire episode running from the boards to the amount of money won like everything went back to normal, basically, or what we're used to, at least, the status quo for Jeopardy. Yeah, it was satisfying to see. It was gratifying. But again, that just, in a sense, kind of proves, you know, what we were trying to say is the clearing of the board makes a big deal. Again, those are usually the two um, ladder bottom cubes that are worth more. You know, yeah. two, two of those is a $4,000 double Jeopardy uh, uh, amount. So, again, leading up to bigger wagers, which is usually sometimes two or three times what you already have, leading to bigger pots. So a lot of that coincides with each other. Um, so we were really glad and happy to kind of see that occur again, especially consecutively. Um, you know, it, it's satisfying. But, again, you know, shout out to Jeopardy producers. We appreciate it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Friday's episode, though, Adrian, um, I feel like the wagers could have been a little bit better in Final Jeopardy from Lee, the returning champion, and the eventual winner, Rachel. Uh, leading into Final Jeopardy, the scores were Lee with 13,300, Rachel 14,800, and Sarah, who was in third place, had 4,400. And for the first time this week, I think it was pretty competitive between one and two. They yes. were runaways for most of the week, but I think at least three days of the week, they, the, the champ. Uh, couldn't or probably wasn't able to be caught based on the wagering. So this time Friday, we finally had something where it came down to the wagers into the final question. Yes, both of Lee's wins on Wednesday and Thursday were runaways. Uh, Gilbert, when he won his 32000 
was a very competitive game. He had a $400 lead, which is why he had to bet almost everything he had to win that $32,800. Right. Uh, but to your point, yes. Uh, there have not been as many competitive games here lately of this nature where first and second are, or even first, second, and third are so close in uh, numbers heading into Final Jeopardy. So heading into Final, I'm a proponent of not even paying attention to the category. Obviously, if it's something where, you know, your bottom category, I totally understand where a conservative wager might be placed where you might need to be more bold or should be more bold. Um, in this case, Rachel with 14,800, Lee 13,300, Sarah 4,400. Lee, in terms of wagering, I feel like was in the best position because third place could double up and not catch him. And first place is so close to him. Now, obviously, you want to be in the lead. You want to play from ahead. But yeah, you, you play to win. You play to win. I mean, you don't want to walk home with. And to me, he's already a champ. So he's already won money from days prior. So that second place or third place, $1,000, $2,000 at this point means nothing. You want to play to win. You play to come back another day and increase your pot. Exactly. Exactly. There's there's really two ways for, for Lee to approach this. He could either bet fifteen oh one, which if he gets it right, would put him at 14801 and a $1 lead over Rachel, banking on the fact that she would get it wrong. But if Lee did get it wrong, it wouldn't cripple him. It would only send him down to 11799 which is still more than Sarah, who would be in third place. And if she doubled up, it would be 8800 And he's banking on the fact that Rachel would get it wrong and bet big. And that's what you have to do in first place. You have, I feel like you have to cover the second place person uh, if to give you the best shot of winning the game, obviously. Uh, that's, that's nothing new. This is nothing, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel with these wagers. Um, unfortunately, the wagers for Lee and Rachel this week uh, didn't go, didn't coincide with either of these strategies we're talking about. Lee ended up uh, wagering 10,300 of his 13,300. He got it right to give him a total of 23,6. Now, Rachel had 14,8. Ideally, she would bet enough to end up with 26,601. Yeah, covering what Lee would double up with. Exactly. The, the max Lee could have with a, a correct question. Exactly. She only wagered 10,000 to give her a total of 24,800. So she kind of backed into this win because Lee didn't double up his, his 13300 And if he would have, he would have ended up winning the game. And I would like to know their thoughts about this because I understand uh, being in that situation, you have about five minutes or so to give you a little index card to, to run the numbers and everything. And, and sometimes in the moment, you just have to put down a number because the numbers can be overwhelming. I get it. Uh, it's still just an interesting thing that they wagered almost the exact same amount in final. They both 10,300 and 10,000 uh, when neither one of them was their maximum value bet. Right. And I, and, you know, trying to run the numbers too, I didn't know if one of them was trying to not come in third at that point, you know, covering up maybe if Rachel didn't want to 
for for to lose and then drop down the third from first place and and have you know the third place person be stuck with a dollar or two. But even then, the numbers just didn't add up. Um, and unfortunately, Lee didn't bet what he was supposed to. So I don't know if that was Rachel majestically thinking that he wasn't <laughs> going to do that. Therefore, you know, almost like in poker, calling his bluff, like you're not going to double up on your bet. But that's that was dangerous. It worked out uh, for Rachel, but unfortunately for Lee and betting in the numbers, it just didn't make sense. Um, at that point, you want to play to win. You want to double up and give yourself the best chance of winning. And had he done that, he would still be a recurring champ. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he is not. Rachel is. Congratulations to Rachel. Uh, all the credit in the world to her. She has certainly won more money now than either one of us have on a game show. So who are we to criticize anybody? Same thing with Lee. Uh, as you said, uh, he still would have been the champ, but in the end, he did win two games and 42000 and some change. Um, but it, it's just one of those things. Uh, and I'm sure, like, looking back as they're watching it, especially in hindsight, knowing that they got it right, I, I'm sure that they would probably say the same thing. Like, I probably could have tightened that up a little bit and made a different wager. But when you're under the stress of playing the game, and such a close game, too, right. it, it was never... Uh, there was never a runaway point between either contestant. I mean, uh, there were certain points, I think, where one of them was a couple of thousand dollars ahead of the other one, but never seemingly out of reach. And ultimately, they were within 1500 going into Final Jeopardy. Right, and during the week, I think even twice, maybe, Lee cleared a, a category by himself. Yes. I know he did, in fact, on Wednesday, and he might have done it again on Thursday, yes. but uh, during the week, Lee, Lee definitely uh, you know, had, had some... some, some some categories definitely to his favor. And on Friday, they were back and forth. They were back at it. Um, so I, I can understand maybe the, the somewhat of conservatism going into that final um, final wager. But uh, kudos again. Kudos to them both. They are Jeopardy champs. We are not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, shout out to them. <laughs> uh, there, there was one clue uh, on Wednesday's game. Uh it, it was a it was a food category or acronym category. I didn't write the category name down, but anyway, the essentially they were they wanting to know what food was is or is called TNC or goes by the acronym TNC. None of the contestants knew. I had no idea, and Alex came up with well, it's obviously guys. What is tuna noodle casserole? And I don't know about you, Adrian. I mean. You're, you're big in the kitchen. Um, have you ever made... I've heard of tuna casserole. Have you ever made a tuna casserole with noodles? And have you ever used the acronym TNC before? <laughs> um, okay, so I am... Um, you know, my, my, my day life, uh, when I'm not a podcast superhero at night, um, I am a restaurant manager and chef. Um, tuna noodle casserole I've heard of, but it's almost like, um, you know, one of those medieval stories you hear about. I've made tuna casserole before. I've even made, uh, on a budget college student, tuna casserole where I use potato <laughs> chips. I use ruffles inside of them. Instead. Um, definitely not TNT because when he even said that, I said it's going to be something stupid like, uh, <laughs> and I forget what I said, but no. When he obviously said tuna noodle casserole, um, as much as he likes to joke about it, I think it might have shown his age um, in that, but I've, I have not... Heard TNC reference to tuna noodle casserole um, ever. Tuna casserole, yes. Um, never with noodles. Um, and definitely don't know how appealing that is because being a chef is part of presentation and I don't know how I would plate that for someone. 
Yeah, I've definitely never ordered uh, TNC at a restaurant before either. And as you said, the presentation might lack in that dish as well. Um, but moving on to happier news. <laughs> and we do have happy news here. We're not all about critiques. Uh, we would like to give a shout out to Alex Trebek, who is back in the studio working now. As we mentioned in the last podcast, he, he did have surgery uh, on his brain uh, to remove blood clots and he is now healthy enough to go back to work and resume taping episodes and we are happy to hear that yeah definitely big shout out to Alex Trebek um again we, we mentioned our last podcast about <clears throat> these icons of um the game show world and hosts and being replaceable or irreplaceable um and we're just glad he's back and taping and uh, let's uh, hope he gives uh, some champions some more critique and some more sass for not hitting big pots and clearing the board. <laughs> uh, one other bit of good news we received this week on Wednesday was that Who Wants to Be a Millionaire has been renewed uh, for a 17th season next season. Uh, they are experiencing their best ratings uh, they've had in about three years when Terry Crews was the host. Uh, overall ratings, I mean, obviously are down from where they were 10 years ago or so, but so is everyone else, you know. Um, but the fact that their ratings have been steadily climbing since Chris Harrison has took over the, uh, the reins uh, is a good sign. And ABC uh, has officially renewed it for a 17th season. Yeah, definitely, you know, kudos and shout to uh, Chris Harrison. We've discussed before how entertaining it is with him. You know, he's got that homeliness feeling where, He's recognizable but not intimidating. He carries the show really well. It moves at a great pace. It's not, you know, um, stuck with, like, comedic jabs too much. He's very subtle. He does a great job. We're, we're definitely glad it's coming back. It, it helps uh, with that daytime uh, quiz show where we don't have to watch either just soap operas or uh, <laughs> judge shows. <laughs> uh, I feel like Millionaire almost was going through an identity crisis, though, uh, especially over the last few years when we had a turnover in the host. And it seemed like, especially here in Southern California, since it's a syndicated show, uh, it hasn't been on a single network uh, for more than a couple of years uh, here lately. Uh, now with Chris Harrison, they've been on our local ABC affiliate for the this now the second year. Next year being the third year, it will be on it. Um, but before that, it, it moved around stations there every year or every two years. It's been on about four or five different stations now. And so with the with the ratings being what they are, Adrian, like, this has definitely got to be a good sign. And especially being on here in Los Angeles, being the second biggest uh, market to New York, uh, being able to find a home and a time slot that's steady and it's not moving around, that's a huge sign uh, for a show like that that seemed to be struggling for a few years. Well, it definitely is. And I remember referencing Lane there, and I think even when you were a contestant, we asked, what channel is it on? What channel is it going to be on? I mean, there are different channels that choke us on. But yeah, having ABC pick it up and be steady, um, Chris Harrison, I, I, I think it just kudos to Chris Harrison, the production team as a whole there. Um, again, the show flows really well. Um, the questions, I think, have gotten a lot. I, I think before the questions were either extremely difficult once you got to a certain level or not as serious enough in the beginning, and still you have those first couple questions where they're 
introductory questions kind of to set you to settle you and, and, and ease you into it but uh i think it's more of an even killed field now where it's it's you can pretty much play the game you know all the way through using your lifelines pretty much unexpectedly there's times where i see you use you know a question four as opposed to ladder in the in, in the show but um it's run really well and i think abc recognizes that again shout out to chris harrison too he's the He's done a good job of being that steady host. And again, now someone that we almost recognize as being the host mm-hmm. of the show to where, you know, before you reference, who was your host or who's the host? Or right. You know, <laughs> it's funny when talk to people who are on the show, that's, that's a reference. That, um, yeah. Now what season were you on? Well, who was your host? Yeah. Um, and I think now with that run, you know, hopefully it's as long or not, or longer than Meredith's run. Um, I think Chris Harrison's kind of been, uh, kind of been the stable for it. So on that note, with Millionaire this week, uh, we actually had Engage Couples play all week on Happy Couples Week. And the fact that the show is now produced and filmed in Las Vegas, they developed a relationship with a lot of the casinos there, especially with the fact that it is filmed at Bally's as well and part of the Caesars Entertainment family. Uh, We see a lot of uh, extracurricular prizes sometimes being awarded. Yeah, it's an added value. And I think because, again, you know, you have engaged couples or couples on there who will probably most likely share these. Um, number one, it's still a great money uh, pot and prize to be won, but those those numbers didn't go up. It's 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 something where they can add extra value, I guess, too, because now you have two people competing um, and two minds, you know, competing where normally it's one. So it gives that extra value without having the pots higher. Um, obviously, it's for some promotion, and yeah, exactly. it, you know that's going to help them with some of the value there and getting some of those people to promote. Um, but, it, but I like it. It's, it's interesting value. It's a cool trip. It's something to where I think they get more excited about. You know, the wheel does a great job with the prize round or the trip round. Um, again, it's a very sliding, smooth way to kind of introduce uh, some people who are helping out with promotional value. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's an added level of uh, um, value, I think, for the couple. You know, whether it's a second honeymoon or something different they can get away to where it's not just the money to enjoy it as well. Yeah, and then the fact that Taping in Vegas, just going to the show is a trip in and of itself, as you said. Um, a second honeymoon or whatever. Uh, it's better than you know rural Connecticut, which is where they had taped before moving to Vegas. So it's it's not not to uh, disparage rural Connecticut. It just doesn't have the glitz and glamour of a Las Vegas. Uh, with that though, <laughs> the prizes this week. The extracurricular prizes that they gave away this week, I feel like steadily got worse as the week went on. So what happens uh, this week is that if the couples correctly get the fifth question and reach the $5,000 level, they're guaranteed $5,000, which is normal. That's the rules of the game. But if they do reach that level this week, they get an added prize on top of that. Now, the first couple that competed this week... If they got to their $5,000 level, which they did, I'll just say that everyone did this week. So the first couple got the Eiffel Tower experience at Paris, Las Vegas. They got to go up to the top of the Eiffel Tower, do everything that they have to do. The second day, the second couple got tickets to go see Celine Dion, which is great. I mean, Vegas is known for their shows. They've got great entertainment all across the board, up and down the strip. And Celine Dion is one of uh, the longest tenured and best performances you can see in Vegas. Adrian, you lived in Vegas. Have you been to any shows? Have you seen Celine Dion by chance or any other shows 
Um, definitely saw lots of shows. The Cirque du Soleil's are very prominent in Vegas and really well put on. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 where careers go now. It's almost like, you know, to be revived. You know, not that Celine Dion was on the town. But, I mean, Britney Spears is, has an excellent run in Vegas. And people say nothing about her shows. Um, but, yeah, and there's tons of things to do in Vegas now where it's almost the glitz and glamours of shows. And dining, you know, being a chef in, in the restaurant industry, the, the food is fantastic there. Where, you know, back in the day, Vegas was about the gambling. And all yep. the enticements were, let's give you free rooms so you can just gamble away. And free slot tournaments. And all those are still there. It's the $200 shows or $300 tickets to see Celine Dion. Where, <laughs> you know, I, I haven't been fortunate enough to see Celine Dion. Nothing. It's just not my thing. Um, but her shows are amazing. And again, to these people who have those runs there... Um, that's that's what it's about now. So yeah, some of those shows I think were, you know, good to have implemented. The Celine Dion, I know, fans of hers and the people that are the Celine Dion viewers, it's, it's amazing to see these people lining up during the day to get tickets and the prices they pay for them. But um, Vegas has changed a little bit, you know, as opposed to just being that crazy gamble and drinking destination. It's a little more prominent on the shows and the food and the showcase and the talents, which is, is nothing but a good thing. It's 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 more better than it is harm. Yeah, and going off that note, the entertainment value has picked up so much. Not only do you have the shows and the concerts and everything, now you have nightclubs and day clubs and pools and pool parties and everything else. And that's what the third couple want. They want a cabana at the Garden of the Gods pool oasis at Caesar's Palace. Uh, and, and being you living in Vegas for a while and, and me uh, going to Vegas prominently a lot of times in college and whatnot, we know the price of things like cabanas and daybeds and things of that nature at a pool. And so that that's a really good value, I, I think. It's a, it's a really nice complimentary prize to the money you're winning, along with like the Celine Dion tickets or like the Eiffel Tower experience. Yeah, it's a, it's a great price. For, for those of you who don't know or are familiar with it, you know, there's daybeds, there's cabanas. They each have a certain price to come to these pool parties. And it's nice and relaxation. You have your own private area. The, the cabanas usually have a TV inside. You have your own private waitress. And they come with... Um, a bill. So basically it's, you know, and, you know, being the best man in two weddings in one summer, shout out to my friends Ryan and Jeff, um, <laughs> I was responsible for some of those things. Um, but even just living there and understanding it, I mean, some of these are up to $10,000 for one day, which includes your cabana, your, 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 your host or your hostess. And that's the tab you're expected to pay. So it's $10,000 in alcohol and food, um, while you're there. So that that's a great prize with a great value. Again, especially for a couple or to have a party or to invite some friends on. Um, that's that's no, you know, someone just thinking, oh, well, great, I get a, you know, a shade for my pool party. No, it, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty lavish uh, experience. And again, depending on the weekend you go, they're anywhere from two up to $10,000. Yeah, and obviously we don't know the, the retail price of the ones that the contestants received, but just our experience from Vegas, knowing cabanas are the most expensive uh, things you can buy at a pool or pool party versus a day bed or just uh, the cover to get in and not have anywhere to sit or have shade. Uh, so far, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, these uh, extracurricular prizes have been really great, I feel. And their value is awesome. But then we get to Thursday and Friday. Thursday... This one is more about the experience than the value, than the monetary value, but um, about a year or two ago, Las Vegas built the biggest observation wheel in the world. It's called the High Roller. Yep, and at the Link Hotel. At the Link Hotel. And they ended up 
the couple received two tickets to go on the high roller and got a private 30-minute yoga lesson on it. Now, the retail value of that isn't the same as the Cabana or a Celine Dion concert. Yeah, two, two tickets to the high roller, let's say at max value on a weekend night is when there's a premium price where it is about $50 a person. Um, if they, there are options where you can all you can drink um, in one of these that has a bar, and usually you finish about three or four drinks in that 30-minute span that the high roller takes to complete a full circle. Um, don't know if and highly doubt that they would be doing the yoga while the all you can drink is on. So let's give it the benefit of the doubt and say $140 is what the value of for just being on the high roller is. And then you add in your yoga price. I'm not a yoga pro. I do DDP yoga when I can, but that's different. Um, so I, I would say maybe max value for hiring a yoga instructor. And correct me if I'm wrong. Let's 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 be lavish and say uh, $500. Maybe. So that would bring our total for Thursday to about six hundred and forty dollars, right. which won't even give you a decent size uh, day bed. Um, maybe not even admission to a pool party in some of the pools in Vegas. <laughs> so we've gone from Eiffel Tower experience to Celine Dion to a cabana at the Garden of the Gods pool to yoga on a Ferris wheel. And now the- I don't mean to disparage uh, the high roller; it's more, it's not a Ferris wheel. It it's actually it's. If you have a chance, go do it. The world's it's, largest and tallest observation deck. Yeah, it is awesome. The view, especially at night, is to die for. So right, but I mean, if I'm up there, I want to enjoy the experience. I don't want yeah. to be staring at the floor doing downward dog for five minutes <laughs> while I'm at you know a couple hundred feet up in the air. Uh, part of that is having the experience of being in this glass enclosed uh, sphere. And being able to see, you know, the Vegas lights and, uh, you know, the debut is just as pretty as well. Seeing some of the mountainous range and the Red Rock um, is beautiful. But uh, I just, I don't know. Again, that value is great. The thought is fantastic. Um, but I don't know how much value that would uh, that would entice me. Yeah. Right. I, I guess the silver lining is that you're not paying for it. So you're not paying your own money to do yoga on it. And so... Yeah, it, it's on millionaires' dime that you're doing yoga instead of yours. So I, maybe that's the silver lining behind it. And still, it and you wouldn't think to do it either. So it's an experience that you probably wouldn't have anyway. Uh, the final prize on Friday is an experience that you probably would have. Maybe perhaps not here, but Friday's couple... <laughs> if they reach their $5,000 question, which they did, and answer it correctly, which they did... They received two free <laughs> meals at the Bacchanal Buffet at Caesar's Palace. Now, while it's a very lavish buffet, do not get me wrong. It's a Vegas, good buffet. The Bacchanal La- Buffet is very good. Yeah. Las Vegas buffets in general are some of the best you'll have. And especially, as Adrian just mentioned, the Bacchanal at Caesar's is one of the best. And it's very lavish. However... The retail price of two buffets is certainly a lot less than your cabana or two Celine Dion tickets. Yes, depending on when you go, um, the highest price um, for the Bacchanal is $59.99 for a weekend dinner. Um, The weekend brunch is $49.99. So the brunch is usually when a lot of these buffets go all out and they include... Um, mimosas, um, bottomless mimosas with them. But um, again, at its peak, you can add $15 all-you-can-drink beer and wine if you'd like as well. 
So, you know, let's say $59.99, that brings us to $119.98 plus your $50. Uh, we're looking at about just under $170. Again, good idea, fantastic. Um, but I mean, that's probably what a plate of watermelon would have cost at the cabana you're getting if you would have gone on the show <laughs> on Wednesday just, just for watermelon. Um, again, it, they're different prices. I understand that Caesars is showcasing um, all of their properties. Uh, as again, it's filmed in Bally's. It's one of the Caesars properties. So we get the idea of the Bacchanal, the Bacchanal Buffet is uh, newer. They just, uh, I think not even a year that they reinvented uh, a lot of the selections. But good buffet, great buffet. It's been ranked in the top five for the last couple of years, especially with the reinventment last year. Um but significantly, we saw the prices deteriorate. <laughs> uh, maybe it was, um, again, someone in uh, the marketing or budgeting department saying, hey, we, we went kind of big these last couple of days and we didn't realize we got ourselves into, but the price has definitely diminished uh, in overall dollar value. Again, it's about the experience, and if you find that one person, I'm sure just staring into each other's eyes, eating cereal on Monday morning is more of an experience for you as well, and that's what it's about, but the, the dollar value and the amount uh, didn't quite add up. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, um, it almost would have been uh, better if they had reversed the order and started with the buffet and worked up to like Celine Dion because, again, not knowing the the retail value of any of these things uh, for sure, we who knows the Celine Dion tickets could be like the nosebleed of nosebleeds and maybe it's a lot closer in value to the buffet than what we're than what we're assuming it is same thing with the cabana even though cabanas tend to run a little more expensive even the smaller ones and ones that aren't as close to the pool um but perhaps at the end of the day all of these are a lot closer in retail value than what we're giving credit for and we're kind of uh you know jabbing at millionaire for the for the prizes but to but adrian you uh that was a that's a fair point that I didn't think of, even though I know that all these are Caesars properties and they film at Caesars and whatnot, I, I didn't even think of the marketing aspect of that to showcase all of what they have across their properties. So that's that's actually a fair point. Yeah, again, no one on any of these game shows gives anything away for free. So they got to understand <laughs> and, again, deal with their partners and what they can. And, and again, it is still an added value. It's a good kind of, you know, experience for, you know, these couples who are going on there um, to kind of give them added value towards not just an extra dollar amount, you know, um, because the, the dollar amount, all the questions are all the same. And again, you have two people answering. So I guess it's a little added enjoyment while they're there because they are there already. They're there for the experience. It right. kind of makes, um, I don't know, maybe it makes not winning a little a, a little better for them and understanding, hey, at least we're here eating in this buffet when, you know, you blew the question. I told you this is something else. And, you know, listen to your fiance. So now we're stuck here eating the buffet. That's how we're going to eat all week. Uh well, at the at the end of the day, Adrian, we we had a good week in, in game shows, especially comparative to, to last week in our in our episode that we we talked about. We talked about a lot of negatives. We had we had a few critiques this week, especially on Jeopardy. But overall, with the record setting pot on the wall, uh, we finally had four episodes in a row of Jeopardy. We we got through both boards. We had big winners, and then on Millionaire, we learned that it was renewed next season. So all in all, uh, things are, are trending up, I think, in terms of the game show world. Definitely so. You know, we're not trying to be negative on here, but we, we have our thoughts and our opinions, and we listen to you guys as well and hear what you're concerned about and what you want to cover. So again, don't, don't be shy. Uh, hashtag Twigs, T-W-I-G-S. Follow us on Twitter. 
Um, again, we are on SoundCloud and now on iTunes. So uh, give us a shout, comment to us, feedback. Uh, as always, appreciate it. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about, um, positive or not, and we'll be more than happy to come to you. Yes, please rate and subscribe on both SoundCloud and now iTunes, as Adrian mentioned. We are up on there as well. Uh, I think we had, we had a good episode and a good week here, Adrian. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always enjoy our, our talks about game shows, both on and off air. Uh, it, it's great to have someone to bounce ideas and critiques and what we liked and disliked about shows this week off of. So thank you again for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Awesome. Uh, for Adrian Perez, I am J.D. Lape. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye, guys.